We're in Luke chapter 7. We're picking up from verses uh, 36 to 50. Uh, when I was a child, um, we always had Christmas Day with my aunt and uncle. And uh, they didn't really get on. So it was never a, a, quite a comfortable meal that we would have together because my aunt and uncle were always um, sniping at each other. They were just chalk and cheese. Uh, so my uncle would make little digs and my aunt would make little digs back. And then I had a cousin who was a paranoid schizophrenic. So there was always, um, everyone was always slightly on edge for what he was going to say next because he would just throw the most bizarre things into the conversation that somehow you'd have to try and kind of steer around. So there was always this sort of tension and slightly uncomfortable feeling around the meal table and you're just waiting for someone to say something and for things to kick off. And this meal that's described for us with Simon the Pharisee and Jesus and the woman who comes, you've got to remember, it's not a kind of natural dinner party. These are not three people who would normally sit down for a meal together. And there's there's definitely a tension in the air and a uh, just kind of a, everyone's kind of on edge for something to kick off. And in different ways, each one of them behaves outrageously, says something outrageous, does something outrageous. So just kind of have that little sort of picture in mind of a dinner party with tension. And I want to say a little bit about Simon, the Pharisee, a little bit about Jesus, and then mostly about the woman, about why she comes and what happens to her while she's there. We read that the Pharisee, Simon, has invited Jesus to his house. Well, he's invited him, but he hasn't welcomed him. Uh, he, he, he kind of wants Jesus to come. He's obviously curious, maybe he's interested. Maybe he just wants to satisfy himself that Jesus is definitely not a man of God. He's not a prophet. He's not a rabbi. He's definitely not the Messiah. But he doesn't welcome him. And we know that he doesn't welcome him because uh, the second half of the passage, for verses 44, uh, the three basic courtesies that you would extend to a visitor coming to your house, Simon doesn't do for Jesus. He doesn't offer to have his feet washed. He doesn't greet him with a kiss and he doesn't anoint him with oil. Those are the basic things. Like if someone comes to my house, um, you know, you welcome, I welcome them in. I say, can I take your coat? Uh, would you like a drink? Come through and sit in the lounge. They're kind of the basic things that you do. Well, Simon, the Pharisee, doesn't do any of those for Jesus. So he's invited Jesus, but he certainly hasn't welcomed him. And the reason he hasn't welcomed him is because he doesn't think he needs Jesus. Uh, he is, he's full of self-righteousness. He thinks he's good enough. He thinks he's doing all the right things in order to be with God. He doesn't think he needs this Jesus. And perhaps we need to be challenged by that and think, well, do I have I have I invited Jesus? But have I welcomed him? Because sometimes we can be self-righteous. Sometimes we can think we're doing God a favour by the goodness of the lives that we're living. And we kind of think, well, actually, I, I don't really need God. Nice to have him around. But do I really need God? Have you welcomed Jesus? Or have you just invited him? And then there's Jesus. The thing I love about Jesus is he will hang out with anybody. He is really not fussy. So um, and he causes outrage by doing it. So Jesus will hang out with a woman by a well on her own. Shouldn't do that. He'll hang out with lepers and Pharisees and tax collectors. Definitely shouldn't do any of that. But he'll hang out with a Pharisee. He'll hang out with Nicodemus, who was a, a leader of the Jewish ruling council. Jesus will hang out with anybody. He'll hang out with you and he'll hang out with me. And the reason Jesus is happy to hang out with anybody is simply because he loves 
everybody. And he wants everybody to know that they're loved by God and that they can be in relationship with God. Jesus is simply not bothered who he hangs out with. It's just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing that regardless of who we are, Jesus wants us to draw near to him. Jesus is sometimes very critical of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the scribes. But what he condemns is not them themselves. What he condemns is their teaching and their rules and their regulations that actually prevent people from drawing near to the God who loves them. That's what Jesus hates. He hates barriers between God and the people that God loves. But it's interesting in the when Jesus tells the little parable towards um, towards the end about the two people who owe different amounts. Uh, and he says, you know, he says to the woman, you know, she's been forgiven. He doesn't say that Simon the Pharisee hasn't been forgiven. He just challenges him about his attitude. So that's Simon the Pharisee, self-righteous, invites Jesus, doesn't welcome him. Jesus, he'll go anywhere, really doesn't mind who he's invited whose house is invited to or who he invites himself to he wants to be with everybody because he loves us that's the message of the bible so what about the woman uh, you have to remember in those days that um uh, houses weren't private in the way that our houses are private anybody could turn up this is probably a meal in a in an open courtyard the doors are open anyone can wander in and out and this woman wanders in and three things about her and about what happens to her. Uh, conveniently, they all begin with W. So you just got to remember three W's today. The first W is that she comes weeping. She comes weeping into the house and she comes weeping to Jesus. And why does she come weeping? What is she weeping about? I think she's, she is weeping about her sin. She knows that she is a sinner. She's probably a prostitute. She knows that she's led an immoral life. She knows that she's fallen short of God's glory and God's standard. She doesn't need the Pharisees to point it out to her, although that's what they do the whole time. She She's broken. She's broken because she knows that her life is in a mess and she comes weeping over her sin. I think one of the reasons perhaps that we often invite Jesus but don't welcome him is because we don't weep over our sin because we don't realise how serious sin is. Just imagine the person that you are closest to in your life. Imagine the person that you are most in love with and then think how you feel when you do something or say something that spoils that relationship and harms it and it creates a division and it creates a barrier and you've you fall out with that person that you love the most. It's the most horrible feeling. It is the most awful feeling to feel that you have become separated from the person that you love most in the world. Well, that's what sin does to our relationship with God. It separates us from the most special relationship that we were created for. I don't use it very often these days, but I love the language of the Book of Common Prayer. It's kind of 16th century English, but it's incredibly powerful. And one of the things that I love is the uh, the general confession in the service of communion, uh, which speaks about sin in these terms. And it's incredibly powerful. Uh, we say in this prayer that we earnestly repent. We are heartily sorry for these our misdoings 
The remembrance of them is grievous unto us. The burden of them is intolerable. Is that how we feel about our sin, our mistakes, our, our wrongdoings? Again, just you know, think about falling out with the person that you love most in the world and how awful that feels. And when you realise that you're in the wrong and you've done something wrong, how much you want to put things right. Well, that's what's expressed in this prayer. Just think, is this how sin makes you feel? I'm heartily sorry. The remembrance of them is grievous to me. The burden of them is intolerable. I can't bear it. Well, this woman comes to Jesus and she can't bear her sin because she realised the effect that it's happening. It's having. So she comes, she comes weeping. Are we prepared to come to Jesus weeping because we know we've messed up? And we've fallen short of God's standards. So that's the first W, weeping. The second is, is welcome. The Pharisee condemns her. He knows what kind of woman she is and, she, and he rejects her. He doesn't really want her in his home. And he thinks if Jesus is any man of God, he will reject her as well. But Jesus welcomes her. Just the most extraordinary thing. Jesus knows exactly who she is, what kind of life she's lived, what kind of person she is. And he welcomes her and allows her to do what she does. And Jesus welcomes us. There's this kind of extraordinary thing that we come weeping at the gravity of our sin and the damage that it's done. And in that moment that we come weeping, Jesus throws open his arms and he welcomes us. He welcomes us. I think there's the other reason I think the woman is weeping is because she can't believe the grace and the mercy that Jesus extends. She comes to Jesus because she knows this is what he's like. She's seen other people do it. She's seen tax collectors and lepers and other prostitutes be welcomed by Jesus and forgiven. She knows that this Jesus is going to welcome her. And I think she, that's another reason why she weeps, because she cannot believe how much God loves her. Sometimes I can't believe how much God loves me. It, it grieves me that I so often come across people who, who grew up in church and have left the church because they ended up feeling so guilty and condemned. What is that all about? To grow up in church and to leave because all you feel is guilt and condemnation. Jesus welcomes this woman and he welcomes us. Yes, there's there's conviction for sin, but that's different from condemnation. Conviction is immediately followed by forgiveness, by cleansing, by restoration. She comes weeping and she finds the most extraordinary welcome. And how does she respond? Well, she responds with worship. She responds with worship. Every Jewish woman had a little fire, a little alabaster jar of perfume that she wore around her neck. It was very precious to her. And she brings this most precious offering and anoints Jesus. It's her act of worship. It's her response. Because in the little parable that Jesus tells to Simon afterwards about um, the two different people who respond in different ways to uh, the debt that they've had cancelled, she knows that Jesus is cancelling or prepared to cancel a huge debt that she carries and she responds in worship. That's why we, we came together today to worship a God who loves us like that, who welcomes us, who forgives us. 
this woman comes and she offers the most beautiful sacrifice that she can think to offer and to do the most precious thing for Jesus. That's what worship is all about. It's about the offering of our whole lives. That's why the Apostle Paul talks in Romans about um, in response to what Jesus has done, offering ourselves as living sacrifices. We don't just give him bits and pieces of our lives when we feel like it. We offer the whole of ourselves as an act of worship. The best that we can bring, the best that we can be, we offer it to Jesus because he is worth it. So there's weeping, there's remorse, there's regret for a life lived in sin. But that remorse is met by the welcome of a loving God who welcomes and um, forgives and restores. And that forgiveness and that restoration then um, um, moves into worship. Because what other response can there be to a God who loves us in that way? It's the most beautiful picture. Are we, are we prepared to see ourselves as the woman? There's, I may be reading too much into the text, and forgive me if I am, but I think there's a reason why she's not named. We know the name of Jesus. We know the name of the Pharisee. We don't know the woman's name. She's anonymous. I think perhaps the reason we don't know her name is because we're meant to put ourselves in her place. If she had a name, we would know, well, that's who it is. But she doesn't have a name. There's kind of an, an anonymity about her that I think means we can put ourselves in her place and think of ourselves doing what she does, coming to Jesus in that way. And again, I may be reading too much into the text. I think there's something, just a little thing about the fact that she lets her hair down, which is a disgraceful thing to do and a scandalous thing to do um, um, in the culture. If you were a, a Jewish girl when you were married, you would tie your hair up and you would never let it down again in public. And to do so would be a mark of disgrace. The only person who would ever see your hair let down would be your husband. And I think maybe there's just a little, there's just a little inkling in this episode of the relationship that Jesus has with the church. Because the picture that is used throughout the Bible of the relationship between God and his people is the marriage relationship. The people of God are always depicted as the bride. The church is depicted as the bride of Christ. Christ is the groom. And here we have Jesus welcoming, if you like, the church, which is not a community of perfect people. It's a community of people who know they've fallen short of God's glory and have been forgiven and restored and welcomed in. And because the bride is in the presence of her husband, she feels it appropriate to let down her hair. Maybe I'm reading too much into the text, forgive me if I am, but it stands true that as the church we're not a community of perfect people, we're a community of those who have been rescued by the grace of God. We are the bride being prepared for the groom who is coming to meet us. So let's celebrate this morning and let's respond to this amazing story of grace. This woman who comes broken by her sin and yet welcomed by a saviour and who responds in worship. May we too come broken by our sin because of the damage that it does to our relationship with God and to those around us. And let's experience the welcome of Jesus. Perhaps this, today as you're listening to this, maybe you've never experienced the welcome of Jesus. And I'm going to pray in a moment that you might experience 
the welcome of Jesus and the love that he has for you and that then your heart will overflow and respond in worship. So let's turn to prayer for a few moments and in these moments allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Perhaps today the Holy Spirit wants to convict us of an attitude of self-righteousness. That we're a bit like Simon the Pharisee. We don't actually think we need Jesus. We're interested in him, curious about him, but we think we're, we think we're good enough. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants to convict us today that that's simply not true. That being good enough is never enough because God is holy. And maybe today we, we've, we know we've messed up, we know we've sinned and we carry a burden of guilt that we're trying to earn our way out of in some way. And maybe we think because of what we've done, God turns his face from us. Maybe the Holy Spirit this morning just wants to say, no, that's not true. I know exactly what you've done. I know exactly what you're like and I welcome you. And I offer forgiveness, complete forgiveness. I wipe the slate clean. If you come to me, it's gone. It's dealt with. It's forgotten. And may we respond to God's grace in worship in these coming days. So Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking to us this morning. May you continue to do so in the coming days. We bless you and we thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to respond, have an opportunity to respond in a, a closing song.